0: We'll start in Matthew 12, and uh, we're going to be focusing in on the text that James read for us at the beginning of our service. So we'll be focusing on verses 33 through 37. You probably don't recall, and if you do, great, but you're not going to remember all the details because I don't even remember all the details, and I gave the lesson. But a few, few months back, I did a lesson that I called Reflecting Godliness, and I talked about in our money. I just talked about how we can show... God in our lives, even the way we use our money, and we think about money. Uh, Well, today I would like to talk about how we can do the same thing. We can reflect godliness in our speech. Um, Not only will this lesson serve as a tool to understand how we need to speak, I think there's obviously ways we need to speak and not speak if we're going to reflect godliness, but also ways we think about speech can reflect godliness, and that's really going to be the primary point of this lesson. Um, and really, are there are a few points that we're going to look at from this text that Jesus reveals for us about speech. Um, so this lesson isn't so much a lesson on what kinds of things to say or not say and how we need to go about that in our life, but it's more of a lesson, just a way to think about speaking and the things that we say, ways we need to think about it. Um, and so with that said, I want to just read this sequence of verses, this illustration that Jesus gives us, this teaching that he gives us. Again, just for my sake, um, to keep it fresh in my mind, because this is really what we're basing the lesson on. So beginning again in verse 33, either make the good tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Alright, so Jesus here takes an opportunity, um, a teaching opportunity, and certainly we see Jesus take plenty of those opportunities, and he makes the most of them. Um, But as we've been studying through Mark, we're probably familiar with trees and the images Jesus likes to bring out from those. Um, But in this particular account, Jesus uses fruit-bearing trees. You know, not every tree bears a fruit, but those that do, that's really the the terms or the the measurement for which you judge that tree. Um, And so he uses that illustration to, to teach about speaking. Um, and there's four basic points that I think he points out in about speech in this text. And I'm just going to go ahead and list them off. And then we're going to go back and just kind of expound on them a little bit. Um, first of all, it's that the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus says that in verse 33 pretty plainly. The second thing is that whatever is in your heart, that's what you're going to speak. And so he illustrates that or says that in verses 34 through 35. Um The next thing is that every word of speech is accounted for, Um, and that's in verse 36. And then, finally, the last thing that I'm going to focus on is our words will justify or condemn us. Um, The things that we say serve serve in that role. And so that's identified in, in verse 37. And so certainly I think all four of these points that Jesus makes are about speech, and I think they're important, and they're made elsewhere in Scripture. There's other places that emphasize these same things. With that said, uh, I was I've actually talked about this in the past before and I completely rewrote this lesson for now because if you've ever gone back and looked at old outlines and things you're like that's awful. I got to redo this. And I'm sure in a year or something I'll look back at this one and think it's awful too, but um one of the things that I remember reading about and was rekindled in my mind as I was studying this lesson again. Um, was one statistic that I had written down on the sheet of paper that I had originally done the outline on. And it said that, and I re- retyped it here, it says the average male speaks seven to 10,000 words a day. Um, so that's a lot of words. Um, I, I certainly can't account for or remember all the words I say in a day, and I didn't realize I'd probably say somewhere in that range. Um, it, <clears throat> Now be careful, you know, men, how you react to this statistic, but the average female speaks 20 to 24,000 words in a day. <coughs> um, and I just say that to say we're talking a lot, and we're talking a lot more than we realize we're talking. Um, and certainly there's something to be said for communication in general. It's not just the things we say. I mean, it's our body language. Um, you know there's statistics all out there that say most of our communication is nonverbal. But even just the things that we say. However much we're saying, they mean something, right? I mean, there's a lot that we're spouting off when we're talking to each other. We say to ourselves in our alone time when we're thinking through something or we're, we're considering something and we're just talking to ourselves. or when you're on the street and you're driving and you just say something in the car to yourself, to no one else, but it makes you feel better to say it. Uh, we're saying a lot of things. And so Jesus takes this time, I think, to give us some points that are applicable to all of us because all of us use speech. Um, So with that said, I want to focus on the first thing that Jesus says in verse 33, and that's the tree is known by its fruit. And he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Pretty simple concept, I think. And how he ties it to speech, I think the point that he's making here is, and from other passages, is certainly we don't know each other's hearts, right? I can't tell you what's in your heart in any given moment. And certainly, if I can't do that, you probably can't do that for me as well. But what can I see or what can I hear? It's the things you say and the things you do. And certainly there's plenty of passages that illustrate that concept and Jesus talks more about. And so I think in this, Jesus is saying, in a way, our speech serves as kind of the fruit of our hearts. Our speech is kind of revealing maybe who we are in a sense. And certainly we can misread that or we can trick or fool people by our conduct or our speech sometimes. But generally speaking, it's true. The things you say or do are indicative of the kind of person you are. Um, If I spend a lot of time talking about football, right, it probably tells you something about my interests and what I spend my time doing, right? Or if I talk a lot about, you know, insert whatever else, you know, poetry or art or music, or I talk a lot about, you know, my interests in reading, or I talk about the news that I watch. These are things that indicate what kind of person I am. If I talk a lot about other people, right, It's going to tell you that that's something that I spend my time doing that interests me or that I find some pleasure in doing. And so Jesus says, not so much what you're speaking on. He doesn't say, you know, those who speak on God all the time are good. But he says, generally speaking, there's good and there's bad, right? And what you're saying or the fruit of your heart indicates one or the other. And so I think this principle is true. And with each one of these points, um, I think we can illustrate it with other verses. And then a couple of these points, I will illustrate it with other verses. But typically, with each one, I want to get a, give an example from Scripture and maybe how that's true. Um, so if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll just look at a passage here. Um, so, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, you know, the the fruit tree is judged by the fruit that it bears. Not by the grandeur of the tree. You know, not by how green its leaves are. But simply, is it being productive? Is it producing what you expect it to produce? Right? Um, and so, we move into 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 3. And uh, Paul here is speaking on his credibility, how he could be, as it says in this text, commended to them. Beginning of verse 3 We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, Kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through dishonor, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. And he goes on to to talk about how they were considered imposters, yet they were true. And just he lists this big, big ordeal about how, pretty much in any way that you could conceive of Paul and his company, they were commendable. They were those who you could look to and say they were just as they presented themselves, just as God presented them. But one of his things that he says in verse 7 is by truthful speech. Um, I think this is an illustration of what Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says that the the tree is judged by its fruit, and that fruit is either good or it's bad. Right, and so that's kind of the appeal that Paul is making in this text to the Corinthians. He says, "I have truthful speech. Right, judge me by the things that I'm saying, and it's true. My fruit in that way has served as a testament or as a commendation of who I am." Right, seems to be how Paul is using uh, his speech in this context, and I think it's absolutely true to what Jesus is teaching. I think. If we're going to be like Jesus, and if we're like Jesus, Paul says he imitated Jesus so we could imitate him, we need to be able to do that same sort of thing, right? We need to be able to say to someone, hey, look at the words, the things that I say, and recognize something true about me. And hopefully that thing is godliness, right? You can be able to dissect all the things that I talk about and all the things that I say And you're not going to come across anything that's going to serve contrary to my claim to being a Christian, right? And certainly that's not to say we can't have opinions. And we talked about that last week, how we we have to bear with each other and our opinions and things like that. But it's not going to serve as a point of contention or something contrary to being godly, right? It's either good or it's bad. And so something I think... That Paul uses kind of to illustrate that is when he comes to brethren who maybe are he feels are a little sus- suspect to who he is and who he's claiming to be. He says, you can look at my speech to help you know what kind of person I am. And so I think that is one way that we can maybe look at, to an example or one example that we can look to to see that speech really serves as that in a sense, that we can look at the things somebody says, the th- the way somebody speaks, and the types of things somebody speaks on to see uh, whether they're godly or not. And certainly others are going to be able to do that with us. So we need to take care of our speech in that way. Alright, so back in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says in verse uh, 34 and 35 that As I sum it up here, whatever's in your heart is what you speak. In verse 34, it actually reads, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. So, have you guys ever, I've considered this a lot, but have you guys ever considered that the things that you say and the types of things that you're talking about are actually a manifestation of what's inside? This is obviously tied to the fruit on the tree idea, right? You look at the fruit of a tree and you say it's either good or bad, and whenever your uh, declaration or your conclusion is about that fruit, it kind of tells you something about the tree, right? If the fruit's bad, and you say, okay, well, maybe next time it'll be bad. Well, next season rolls around, I mean, it'll be good. Next season rolls around, the fruit's bad again, you start to think, this tree's just no good, right? And usually the solution is if... You ever try have tried to grow a tree for its fruit? If after a season or two that you expect good fruit to start to be uh, born, then and it's not, you could just got to cut the tree down, and you got to replant a new tree. And so I think here this idea is connected that whatever's on the inside is typically what kind of bubbles forth onto the outside, right? And in this particular passage in Matthew 12, he's talking about speech. Have you ever have you ever said or heard someone say, I know I've said this a bunch of times, um, you, you found yourself saying something you knew you shouldn't have said, and you immediately say something like, I didn't mean to say that, or that's not what I meant, right? Now, I'm not saying that we don't relay things in a way that we didn't mean to relay them, but sometimes you just flat out say something that you want to say and then realize you probably shouldn't have said that, and you try to retract it by saying, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. I remember one instance in my life that I did that, and I was really embarrassed because I said something really bad. Um, and I immediately was like, that's not, I don't know why I said that. But I knew why I said it, because that's what I felt in my heart. Actually, I can think of a couple times I've done that. Um, they weren't good times for me. But we, we do that, right? And we, re- we recognize most of the time where that's really coming from. And so Jesus says something we all kind of know to be true. The things that we say are coming from someplace inside of you, right? Now, we don't always recognize that, but we need to recognize that. And I think that's why Jesus says this to us. Um, Look in Matthew chapter 15, just a few pages over in most of our Bibles here. Matthew chapter 15, and look at verse 18. I'm just kind of picking this out of the context here, but... What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Same kind of concept, right? Now in the context, Jesus is talking about the traditions of purity that maybe some of the Jews had, and they were really concerned about the washings and the things of that. And So Jesus says, really, the things inside of you are truly what's really defiling a person. It's not so much the hand washing and all these other gestures and traditions. But it really fits with what he said in Matthew 12, right? It makes sense that Jesus would say... The things inside, the things from the heart, are really manifested in speech or vice versa. The things that you say are coming from your heart. Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 15 that it's those things that, that come from inside of you that defile a person. And it says specifically, come from the mouth. It's almost as if the mouth is kind of this gateway, uh, a vantage point into someone's heart. And Jesus says, you know what? You can kind of see into that person's heart by the things that they're saying. Um, and so I think this is really important for us to understand, like if we're going to be godly, we have to understand that our speech has to be a certain way, not just because we need to have a great filter, right? We just need to make sure those things don't get out. We need to make sure that they're not bubbling up to begin with, right? It's not so much that (laughs) in those instances I could stop it right before it came out when I said those terrible things. Because a lot, Most of the time I did, but there were a couple times I didn't. But it's that we go to the source, like Jesus points out to us, and we need to change the source, right? We need to change our hearts. Colossians chapter 3 really appeals to this concept um, of changing our hearts. And certainly, Jesus said, by implication, if the things in our heart are messed up or evil or bad, however you want to phrase that, then a lot of times the things coming out of our mouth are going to look that way and seem that way and be that way. So, necessarily, there has to be a change of heart, right? Colossians chapter 3 talks about this, and, you know, you might have a heading for Colossians chapter 3 that says something like putting on the new self. Um, And that's really what this chapter is about. Um, And Verse 1, we appealed to this last week, and I want to appeal to this same text again, but it says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So obviously this is speaking to Christians. Now this is not to say that you know, for those of us who aren't Christians or other people when we're talking to them, this doesn't teach them something. Christians are to understand these things, and if you're not a Christian, this helps you understand what Christianity is what being a follower of God is. But if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, which is what James said this morning in class, where Christ is. So this whole chapter is about not doing earthly things, but teaching us what kinds of things are heavenly things that we need to be seeking. So let's skip down to verse eight. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. So those are two things in which we just need to have no part in. Our mouth doesn't need to be Involved in slander. It doesn't need to be involved in obscenity. Do not lie. That's another thing that our speech cannot be uh, tainted with. Our lies. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self of this practices. And I'm put on the new self. Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's get down to verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. Compassionate heart. So there's a change of heart here. Compassion is involved. Kindness. Humility, meekness, patience. This is what we focused on last week. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to to God the Father through him. So this text talks about the change that really is a spiritual and internal kind of change, right? Our hearts are changing. God is making us into something new. Naturally, with that, as Jesus said back in Matthew 12, as speech reveals kind of what's inside of us, when we start to change what's inside of us, naturally, our speech and the other external things should start to manifest those changes from within as well. So, Jesus says we go from maybe being liars and slanderers uh, to being truth-tellers, right? To being those who, in fact, it says... In verse, uh, what is it, 16, we teach and we admonish and we sing praises and hymns and psalms, right? So in this, I see Jesus really teaching us whatever's in your heart is what you speak. But the good thing is Jesus has made a way for us to change our hearts, right? He didn't just say, hey, here's the way to like just filter your speech, He said, no, here's the way that you're going to change your heart, and that's being raised with Christ. And certainly there's a lot that goes into that that we're not going to talk about this morning. But becoming a follower of Jesus really changes our heart and ultimately should change the way we speak. Changes, and with that, of course, the way we speak, what we speak about, how we speak, all of that. Our speech is completely redefined by the change of our heart. All right, so... The tree is known by its fruit, and right there tied into that is whatever is in your heart is what you speak. The next thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 12 was every word is accounted for. And to me, this comes across as a scary thing. Um, I think there's a positive and a negative tied into this um, that Jesus hits on, and we're going to get to that next. But every word is accounted for. But to me, when I hear that, I immediately fear. Every word is accounted for. Look in the text, verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. <clears throat> Alright. So Jesus says specifically, the careless words are noticed, right? I think Jesus' appeal here is I think to go from being a careless person with your speech to a careful person with your speech. I think that's the bottom line of this appeal in this verse. Because he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Even those words that you just kind of threw out there because you didn't think they were a big deal, you didn't care about saying them, Jesus is going (laughs) to ask you about those. He's going to give an account. He's going to want you to tell him why you said that. And that's me inferring. But whatever is entailed in this giving of an account, it's noticed, right? That's the bottom line. Um... And it's not so much that we must tell God about all the things we said. I think this idea of giving an account is he already knows what we said, and he's going to ask us about it, right? Um, why, why, would he, why would he do that, though, you know? Um, let's, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll read verses 3 through 5. Ephesians 5, 3. But sexual immorality and all purity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Alright, so of course we could look to this passage and see some very specific things that would qualify as speech, right? And say, don't do those things. But at the end of this passage, I think Jesus when he said in Matthew 12, every word is going to be accounted for. I think this passage helps us see what that means a little bit. It says at the, in verse 5 here that the ones who practice the things he says don't practice in Ephesians 5 here. It says that they will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ um, and God. All the careless words that we speak can ultimately manifest themselves in that way if we don't heed this call to change our speech because of our hearts our hearts have changed and we don't let that change our speech well then there's some ability for those careless things to hold us back to keep us from having an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God Um, and to me that gives weight to kind of every single word I speak and I don't necessarily think that we should go through life not talking because we're afraid to speak that's not what i'm trying to get at but rather that we aren't speaking carelessly and i think that denotes um, care in our speech but also forethought you know we kind of consider and think about not only what to say but how to say it and why we're saying it which we might term getting to the heart of what we're saying right you know I am I had a hard time as a kid, and I still do, not saying whatever pops in my mind first. I think that's a pretty common problem, I hope. I hope I'm not, like, the weird one in that. But, so my mom would always say, you know, like any mom trying to help their kid with that would probably say, you know, think about what you're trying to say, and then think about that for a minute before you just say whatever comes to your head. Because probably take two or three in your mind is going to be better than take one, right? Think about what you're trying to convey before you just let your emotion get to you or whatever. And I think that's really what Jesus says here. Careless words, right? But words that are careful probably are going to come out being loving and tender and from compassionate hearts, Um And certainly there's a lot to be said with not saying things that need to be said. I'm not saying that either. But there's care involved even then. And so certainly we don't want to have careless words that hinder us from an inheritance in the kingdom. All right. So the last point that I would like to point out from chapter 12 is that our words will justify or condemn us. And that's kind of what we concluded with this last point. But well, we focus on the condemnation, right? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5 says those who don't change their speech in these ways that practice these, we might say, old ways of speaking, if we're Christians, then the implication is there's not going to be an inheritance for you. But verse 37 of Matthew chapter 12 says that they can also justify us. There's a sense in which when we do speak carefully, and we speak the ways God wants us to speak in love and compassion and teaching and admonishing and all these specific instances of good speech, then that really justifies or speaks to our change of heart. I think that's the concept that's revealed for us. Um, Turn to James chapter 3. There's a whole lot said in James about Speech and the way he talks about it is he calls, I think, the synonym for speech that he uses in James 3 is the tongue. The tongue is kind of the representative of your words in this passage. Um, so turn to James 3, uh, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 2, and we're actually going to read all the way to verse 12. So James chapter 3, verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, Also, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I'm going to stop here just for a second to say, that in the context of this James is talking about as you look in verse 1 here he's talking about teaching you know those who teach need to be really careful with their tongues but i would broaden this a little bit and to say just because of other passages of scripture we all really need to be careful with the things we're saying certainly teachers are particularly responsible because that's their tool right they're using their tongue to relay some sort of message and so certainly like paul they need to be able to say Look at the things I've said. They commend who I am to you, right? So there's a certain danger for teachers to become hypocrites in the way they speak. Um, But I think this is a general principle that's true. And look what he says about those who are able to control, or in this text, bridle the tongue. It says in verse 2 that those who do that are perfect. And the idea there in the Greek is that they're complete, right? That they're whole. For the man or for the woman, not to be able to control their speech means that they're not a whole person. Right? They're not a completed person. There's still some, as the way I think about it, there's still some work to do. right? You're not rounded out. And so certainly, we I hope everybody in this room wants God to round you out, to make you whole and complete. And a part of that is learning how to control your tongue controlling the things you say and he uses a couple images with this he says one instance of this in life that we understand are horses right you put a little piece of wood or metal in a horse's mouth and then you can steer the whole horse right the tongue is similar or even on a ship kind of if you didn't know about ships and you'd never seen one operate you probably wouldn't look at the little panel on the back of the ship that moves like this and think that's really important Right, You'd maybe look at the masts or the hull and be like, those are really important. But that tiny piece right there, when the pilot directs it, steers the whole big thing. Right, It directs it left and right in whatever direction the pilot's wanting to go. So is the tongue. This small little thing that we probably don't think about all the time really directs us. And so with Jesus' last point that really our speech can justify or condemn us, certainly... Through these passages, we've seen how it could condemn us if we're doing the wrong things. But really, like Paul, in the first passage we looked at, it can justify us. It can speak well of us. Um, In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said that all the careless words that people speak, they'll have to give an account for. I don't think he's excluding the careful words. I think he's trying to make a point about careless words, but I think common understanding would be Jesus knows the all the words we speak. And so certainly Jesus appeals to that in verse 37 when he says, Your words can also justify you. There's a sense in which Jesus knows all the words you speak, and if you have care and you focus and you teach and admonish and exhort and you speak in love and your heart is changed, then Jesus knows about that. And he sees that as really justifying the person you've become. And really We can kind of look at people and see that, right? Like, um, that's kind of our understanding of hypocrisy, isn't it? Like, you, you claim to have this inner chain. You're not someone that you act like. That's hypocrisy, you know? If I claim to be something different and I live my life in a way that doesn't line up with who I think I am up here or inside, that's what we see as hypocrisy. And so Jesus says, I think the concept here is that our words can justify us as in they're true to who we are, right? They're not condemning us because we're claiming a change that we're not manifesting, but they're justifying us. And so when people look at our words, they can say, kind of like Paul to the Corinthians, you know what? His speech does commend who he is Does. And so these are just some thoughts from Matthew chapter 12 uh, about speech. Like I said, they weren't like step one on how to change your speech and step two on what to say really ways that we can maybe think about our speech kind of on a bigger level that it's really the fruit of who we are is our speech. And that's how people, that's what people see. Um, The other points being, first, the the tree is known by its fruit, but whatever is in your heart is what you speak. Sometimes we don't make that connection. We need to understand really the things that we're saying are from our hearts. Every word is accounted for. That's scary in verse 36 when Jesus said every careless word will be given account. But then in verse 37, we also know that our words can justify us as well. And so these are some things to think about when you're considering how you, how you speak, what you speak, um, and the heart that you're speaking from when you engage people. Because, especially on days where you give a lesson, you say a lot of things, right? A lot of words are coming in and out of your mouth. But we need to be able to stand before God and say, I took care with how I used my tongue. So I hope this lesson was helpful for you and practical. As we grow as a group, hopefully as we rub elbows and we frustrate each other or whatever happens, it won't ever be untrue that we weren't careful with how we speak to one another especially. Um, so I, I thank you for your time. And uh, if anyone's struggling with this, certainly we'd be glad to pray for you. Um, as well. So just let us know if that's something we need to do.